can't solve a problem at the same level it was created. I worked very hard for 10 years to become an overnight sensation. Your growth has to be number one. That is the first rule. You need to be able to imagine something being better. And I think the fear is uh, missing a life and not experiencing your full capacity. The only way to learn to see is to make assertions, see what happens, learn from it, and then do it again. You're listening to the Humans 2.0 podcast. This is your host, Mark Metry. I am super excited for today's episode. We're going to go really deep into how do you sort of train your brain? You know, a lot of us today are in situations where we may be working from home, we may be by ourselves. And I feel like that's a, a really interesting environment to sort of see if you know your brain is working with you or it's working against you. Um, and so I brought a friend of mine, uh, Palma Michelle. She is the podcast host of Explorer's Mind. She's also someone who I had on my podcast, I believe back um, in episode 16. So like, like literally like three years ago, a long ass time ago. And um, one of the main things that I would say that, you know, found me and, and called me to her work was her authority and her expertise in, in mindfulness and in meditation. And the reason why I say that is because one of the things that I've been able to learn from her is how to directly use mindfulness. How do you directly use meditation to help you in areas of your life? How do you use that to help you with your resilience in your mind? How do you use that as a leader? And a lot of us here are, are leaders, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in a team. And so this is going to be awesome. Uh, without further ado, um, right, or excuse me, right before we start, um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Restream.io, which is the, a live streaming platform that I'm using right now. And basically, it lets you live stream for free to all social media platforms at once. And so it's been a great help. They've sponsored the show. I appreciate them. You can check the link out below. Now, finally, without further ado, Palma, how are you doing today? I'm good. Nice to be here, Mark, and to see you again after interviewing you on my show about two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and you know, I was just telling people how, you know, I first learned about you like three years ago. And it was, I think it was maybe even before then, I'm not sure. But I was really just like trying to research, like, how do I, how do I meditate? How do I, um, you know, sort of be more mindful in my life? Not just necessarily because I'm I'm trying to sit down and do nothing, but because I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to gain more self awareness. I'm trying to be a leader. And so I remember interviewing you, and we went into like the neuroscience of meditation. I remember being so mind blown, and and you were like one of the first people who I actually had on my show about like meditation and about like the mind, and like you were a great trajectory for what the show is now. And so you know, thank you for doing your thing, and and I would love us for here to just start off. And, um, you know, introduce yourself for maybe people who, who don't necessarily know you. And, uh, and my follow-up question is, um, from the last time we've spoken, like three years since now, what do you think has been like the biggest thing that you've learned? Or what do you think maybe has shifted about your practice? Or, or what have you learned uh, personally that you've been able to bring into your practice? Thank you, Mark. Um, so... I guess the best way to describe my work in the world is I, I hold presence for people and allow them to tap into a space that's beyond their thoughts, 
which either increases their well-being or increases their success or their impact in life or their fulfillment in life. So how does that look? I coach CEOs, I coach founders, and I work with large global organizations. But very often, I also work with people who either had a burnout or who are recovering from a life-threatening illness as well. And then I teach them what you um, were just mentioning, kind of how to increase their self-awareness so they can manage themselves better. And one of the tools I use is meditation. I guess the biggest thing that has changed over the last three years was um, I used to mostly just speak about the neuroscience and link meditation to that, but I have become a lot bolder, I would say, because nowadays I sit, um, stand um, somewhere and give a keynote and I tell the people in the audience right away that they're not the voice in their heads, but the one who hears it, um, which I would have not dared to do, let's say, seven, eight years ago when I had the idea for my business. And personally, I also um, learned a lot of new skills in sort of in terms of energy healing. And I also um, include that in my work as well. Mm. That's, uh, that, that's really fascinating. And, you know, your work is, is needed, you know, so much in the world. And, um, you know, Palma, I guess we should just start off here at like a very, very, very basic level in terms of like, let's say someone listening to this is an entrepreneur or they're a founder. And I know so many that have gotten burnt out at one point and are, are not really burnt out, but they didn't necessarily like heal or, or weren't able to sustainably move past it. Um, and so like, how do you begin to explain like mindfulness, what you just said about your not your thoughts? Mm-hmm to someone who maybe is like stressed out, they, they have like a business to run, maybe they have neglected their mental health, maybe they don't have that much time. How do you begin to like, uh, like help people understand this conversation and this perspective? Because I, I know for me, when I discovered this, uh, you know, conversation, you know, four years ago, it completely changed the course of my life. But I know it's something that can seem quite complicated to people who are not already in the world. And it may, it may even seem confusing. And, and they're like, wait, what do you mean? I'm the voice in my head. What? And so I, I always love talking about this, but how do you explain this? Like at a very basic level to someone who's just facing stress, burnout, they're an entrepreneur or a founder. I mean, first of all, I would say, why should you even bother as an entrepreneur or a founder? Um, and um, I guess I would stand by saying that your entrepreneurial journey is quite a roller coaster with a lot Mm. of uncertainty, change, and volatility, even more so right now. Um, And very often the emotional life is also a roller coaster. You know, one day your business goes well, you're flying up here, the next day it doesn't go so well, and you're kind of somewhere under the table. Um, And obviously that's also linked to your performance. So if you want to, I guess, feel more stable to flow through your entrepreneurial journey in a more sort of balanced way, that's already one reason why mindfulness or learning meditation can be super helpful. But then the mm. other thing I'd mentioned that maybe most people already have had an experience with is when you're playing a sport, the enemy is usually not, let's say, the competitor on the field, but usually sits in your own mind. That's kind of the voice mm. in the head or the saw that tells you, you cannot do 10 push-ups. You, you should give up, for example. Something is too complicated. Mm or too difficult, or wouldn't work. And so um, I would say the very first thing to do before you do anything else, you need to basically learn how to manage yourself, to manage your internal landscape of thoughts, 
mm. bodily sensations um, and emotions and learn to spot your stress signs. But also mm. learn to identify things that energize you or um, kind of sap your energy. Mm. And one of the very first things that meditation does, it helps you raise your level of self-awareness. And so kind of you could basically say you're taking yourself to the mental gym to retrain your brain. Um, and then over time, you increase your level of self-awareness. And then you mm. can also respond better to the uncertainty and no longer get into this roller coaster type mode. Equally, um, another topic that's really hot, I think, particularly for entrepreneurs, is working in flow. And mm. most of us these days are quite addicted to our phones. For example, we have all sorts of email notifications coming in. And as a result oh, yeah. of that, our brains are, are less able to focus when we want them to focus because we're kind of primed for distractions. Mm. And that's why meditation um, to retrain your ability to concentrate basically and focus is super relevant for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it, it's so important. And, and this conversation literally gets me so excited because um, – one of the biggest things that I have been able to understand, Palma, is like what separates someone, although it may be very complicated, but what separates someone from listening to this live stream or listening to this podcast and then doing and like, you know, let's say implementing a meditation habit or whatever someone gets out of listening to this compared to the person who just listens but doesn't necessarily do it. And I think the biggest thing that can help you just integrate more things into your life is by raising your level of self-awareness through meditation. And, and it's so important because, and I feel like depending on who you are personally for myself, before I meditated, I remember the first time was in 2016, I never knew how to control my mind. Mm -hmm. And so whatever my brain just had in its attention was what I was focused on. And then therefore I became in my life. But the second you're able to like build your control muscle in your brain to a degree, then you're like, okay, let me aim it at this new book I want to read. Let me aim my attention at this new habit that I want to create. And I, I think that like meditation is, is like the foundation of all habits because it helps you integrate things. Mm -hmm. Whereas just like listening or reading to things um, doesn't. And, and the last thing that I'll say is, I remember, um, you know, I, you know, I think like a lot of people, I faced a lot of anxiety when I was a kid. I had no idea because I always just thought it was my own voice. And I remember I never knew that I sort of had a voice in my mm -hmm. head until I started meditating. And then I was like, and then I, I remember meditating for like two weeks and then almost very, very, very distinctively, I could now tell, oh, wait, that's not me. That, that's like some some like something happening in my brain from like my past, my past thoughts telling me I'm a loser. But then I have this other stream of consciousness, which is me. And so that's something I kind of like I'm trying to explain to people, but I feel like it's it's kind of hard if you haven't meditated before, you know, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it, it really is like a it's a mind altering experience, because I think once you change what's happening inside of your mind, then everything else changes around you. And, and, and there are different ups and downs associated with that. But meditation definitely, like, it, it teaches you kind of who you are. And, like, regardless of what happens around you, mm -hmm. 
the internal parts that are really the most important in life will always be there and will always support you. Um, so yeah, it, it's quite an interesting conversation, especially to half the people who may have never heard of this. A hundred percent. And maybe two things to add, like um, it's estimated that we have around 60,000 swords per day and they're kind of vastly unconscious. It's kind of just that background noise the whole mm. time where um, it's not just a critical voice in your head, but while people are listening to this conversation, people are probably in their heads commenting, oh, that sounds interesting, or not so much, that's weird, Mm -hmm. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, oh, I (laughs) mustn't forget to do this or that. And that's the voice in the head that I'm talking about. And there was a research paper from Harvard, I think from 2012, which was called A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind where they literally contacted, I think, 20,000 people, collected 200,000 data sets over the period of a year where they contacted people randomly on their mobile phones. And they asked them what they were doing and what they were thinking about. And it turned out people were thinking about something different than they were doing for 46.9% of their waking hours. And sometimes more while they were at work. And then the second question they asked was, are you happy or unhappy? And it turned out that if people were thinking about something different than they were doing, if they were not, let's say, fully immersed in the activity that they were in, they also always reported being dissatisfied. So I'm sharing this because so many people think, well, if I'm, you know, I'm doing a business that's my purpose, then I'm going to be happy. But if you're not present while doing this and you're continuously thinking about something else or next, 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 you will just be hurried in whatever experience you're having. So the correlation of what you're doing and how you're feeling is kind of 0.4 per 6%. Mm. But how you're doing it makes all the difference. And then McKinsey found out that if you work in flow, your productivity goes up by 500%. Mm. And I think you mentioned that in your book too. But if you're thinking about something different while you're doing this, you cannot get into flow. And that's where meditation really helps to train the mind to get into a flow state. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I was trying to say, but you said it much more, um, you know, eloquently. And I, you know, I think the biggest thing is when I think back to my life, I feel like I was almost never in the present moment, like mm-hmm. ever. Like I would, I would go for a drive, and then I would, you know, drive the same route, the same highway I've always driven, and then my mind would would be off thinking about hundreds of different things, but I would have no idea. And I think really one of the biggest things that meditation has taught me, and this has been able to translate in my real life, but it's, um, it's like this, this notion of somehow like thinking less from the perspective of like, I feel like when I meditate and I've been meditating for the last, you know, four years, I, I try to meditate every day. I feel like one of the biggest things is it's helped me to think less, but it's helped me just, just be more of myself. Like it's helped me to just show up in different situations where my brain isn't trying to think about all of like the 500 different things that could go wrong Mm -hmm. or how this is going to be terrible. But I just sort of show up. I don't even think, and I'm sort of just like in the present moment. And that's, and, 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 you know, it's not, it's not flow, it's not like hardcore flow every time, but there's definitely moments of, uh, of flow. Um, and so, you know, Paul, a question I would ask you is like, what would you say to somebody who has the perspective, for example, of like, um, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but what would you say to someone who has the perspective of like, 
oh, I don't want to meditate because I don't necessarily want to be calm. And for me to be an entrepreneur and, and like in today's world, I have to be moving fast. I have to move Ooh. fast. I have to be hustling all of the time. And meditation, why would I slow down for, for 15, 20 minutes or whatever you, 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 you recommend? But what, what would you say to, that, to someone like that with that perspective? So meditation doesn't, let's say calm doesn't mean that you're slow. I would say if you think about mm. the fastest animal on the planet, the cheetah, he appears quite calm to me, but he also sits there in the mm. bushes for hours and hours eyeing its prey and then he sprints. And mm. um, to me, that's what meditation does to you because I find when you have this mentality, you know, I can, I can sleep when I die and I hustle for 16 hours a day. And don't get me wrong, when I was in my 20s, I worked my 16 hours a day. I've done all of this. And now I realize mm, that wasn't really the most productive <laughs> use of my time and the smartest. Right. But anyway, um, sometimes you have to do it to learn it. But um, you can hustle for 14 hours a day. But unfortunately, if you, unless you do this in flow, if you sit in front of your computer and you're a little bit tired, not only do you walk slower than than the calm person. At the same time, your brain will also make um, quite a bit of logical mistakes and mm. you might do longer for the task. And then over time, you um, prime yourself for burnout. At the same time, I found very often with entrepreneurs who are only into the hustling mentality that they actually rely a lot only on linear thinking. But the world never works in a linear way and particularly, and I mean, I'm not a technology wizard, but now with the exponential growth that we see in technology, it's not going to be a linear world. It's exponential mm. and it's unpredictable and surprising in many ways. Mm. And what we have inside when our mind is not clogged up with all these thoughts, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, what's going to be wrong? When the mind is quiet, you have access to this innate intuition but almost like a real-time intelligence that's responding mm. to what it sees in the present moment mm. but that you cannot think through ahead of time you need to basically start walking for it to kick in but mm. if you're too focused on just your hustling tunnel you cannot align with the changes in the moment mm. and um, that's where meditation helps you um, the only thing I would say, let's say if you're getting too blissed out while you're meditating, but that's not happening when you do this like 10 minutes every day, but rather when you go into hardcore retreats um, mm. and you would have like a spiritual awakening, there could be a period of time where you actually feel like right now I don't really do want to do my business. I just want to chill out. But having said it, this time never really lasts. It's almost like a reorientation period. And yeah. then you do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had one of those a few months ago. Um, you know, Palma, I think one of the biggest things that, uh, that can confuse people that want to get into this is just like sort of all of the logistical details mm -hmm. of like, you know, someone wants to start meditating and they Google how to meditate. And then there's, there's like six different forms of meditation. Um, and then they go on like the app store and they're like, Oh, should I use headspace? Should I use calm? Should I not use any app? Should I meditate for five minutes? Should I meditate for 20 minutes? Um, what should I do before I meditate? What should I do after I meditate? Does it matter? Um, I would love, I would just like love your take on all these kids. Cause these, these are all things that, 
I know there aren't like universal answers mm-hmm. to them, but I would love to get your take, especially on before and after meditation. Um, if there's any like importance to that time period because of your mind and, and after for any reason, but um, I'd love to, for you to shed some insight to someone on like how they can start meditating. Feel free to recommend any, any meditation programs mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I would say, I mean, the first thing that's the most important, like when you start any habit, ask yourself why you want to do it. So your why needs to be really strong. Let's say Mm -hmm. just because it sounds a little bit interesting might already compete with too many other things that you have going on. But Mm -hmm. if if you're not extremely excited about meditation, you might want to really rethink your why and think how, let's say meditation could support you in being a better entrepreneur if, you know, being an entrepreneur is the most important thing to you or if it's a parent, being a better parent, but how it really Mm. supports the things that you absolutely really care about in your life, I think that would be the most important. Second one is um, why neuroscience has found out a lot of things. It's really still somewhat at the beginning because they haven't checked yet if, you should, if three times 10 minutes or 10 times three minutes or one times 30 mm. minutes per day is the most effective in changing your brain structure. 30 they, minutes. No, they don't know if it's, oh, you know, okay, okay. three times okay. 10, 10 times three yeah. or one times 30 minutes. Then they don't know. So what they do know, though, is that um, regularity is absolutely key. So I would say for anyone starting, the most important is really that you pick a length of time that you can really do every day, particularly in the beginning to get into a habit. And if you hear 10 minutes and you're like, no way that I can do this every day, then maybe start with five and then work yourself up, I would say. And does it matter that, like, that if you do it at, at the same time of the day or different times of the day? Or do you know? Um. Well, I, I do know in terms of habit formation, obviously in the beginning with a habit, um, given that our mind can only hold like six, seven pieces of information, you need to be really specific for your subconscious to make it work. Mm. Let's say you could, if you wanted to do it on different times a day, then you would have to be, I guess, quite a planned person that at least has a reminder in your phone. Otherwise, mm. it's a lot di- more difficult to build a habit. So the easiest is to pick one. I guess there are usually three times that work really well. If you are a morning person, what works really well is just when your alarm, your alarm clock rings. Because then you can also wire basically the new behavior to the old mm. behavior, to, to already the prompt that you have. Mm. The second best time is usually for people just either in the lunch break or after they arrived at work. If, you know, at home it's too busy or something like that or during their commute, kind of that time window. But if you're more of a night owl, it's usually better to do it at night. Um, so these are kind of the three times. In terms of what you do before and after, we're, we're all so different. There will be some, you know, some traditions that tell you you cannot do it if you drank alcohol the night before or, you know, um, or you only need to eat a light meal or you shouldn't eat at all. And, and, you know, I've tried meditations in so many different ways in my life. And for me, it didn't really make that much of a difference. Of course, if you're already sleepy, you will not really succeed very well in a super focused meditation, but you might find actually 
did you relax easier or have more creative insights during that time because that control part of your mind is switched off so i think it really depends i guess why you do it and um what's your motivation because many people get into meditation initially particularly if there's some mental health thing going on to sleep better and mm. so then you would obviously do it at night and then it would be quite good if you would already be a little bit sleepy. On the other hand, if you wanted to do it, um, let's say, to, to spark your brain for being more productive or creative at work, you, I would recommend you do it, let's say, in the afternoon between two and three when, we have, mm. when everyone has the least productive time a day. Mm. And then even more effective, you take an espresso just before you do the 10-minute meditation or the 15-minute mm. meditation, and then it kicks in at the oh. end of the meditation, so you oh, be ultra oh. alert. So that could be a hack, so to speak. I like that. Um, Never heard that, but I've thought about that. <laughs> yeah, so this could be, could be different combinations. In terms of yeah. um, apps, I guess I'm a bit biased because I'm featured on Meditation Studio and News, the brain-sensing device. Yeah. That is sort of a meditation is feature. Awesome. It's kind of like a meditation teacher without having a physical person. So that's a kind of cool device. But otherwise, um, I guess I would say the caveat is if you are really interested in the spirituality and going deeper, not just learning meditation, I guess to train your mind and to focus better and be more productive, productive then I think um, Sam Harris's app would be really good. Mm. Um, because he also has the spiritual component in the app. Mm. Otherwise, if you just want to learn meditation, Headspace, to me, it was a bit too gimmicky, but it's obviously a brilliant app. So I think it depends a little bit on, on your personal style. But of course, all yeah. of these popular apps um, are quality-wise really good. Um, so I would say you, there you can really make your pick. The only caveat I'd say if you're really anxious, I wouldn't go for focused or concentration type meditation hmm. because usually quite anxious people or even particularly what you also experience with social anxiety, you're hmm. already hyper aware of everything. Hmm. Maybe not so much, you know, the voice in your head, but everything externally. Nice. Then you practice a focused medit concentration meditation that can amplify that even more. Um, you might even be also overly empathic that you can feel mm. everything other people feel, but you don't have any protection. Mm. Um, so there, what is really helpful is kind of the heart-based meditation, for example. Heart-based heart, meditation? Heart-based, either from the Heart Mass Institute, that's a really mm. um, good website, or any loving-kindness kind of meditation. Mm. Because they strengthen your compassion muscle and create this kind of, I guess, buffer for you that on the one hand, you mm. can still feel what other people feel, but you come from a place of strength where you can help them without getting, you know, without getting dragged down too much. That was, for mm. example, my experience when I cultivated a lot of heart opening and loving kindness, I became from I would say more of a selfish A plus high achiever to naturally feeling other people and wanting to help more. Hmm. That's so interesting. I'll have to look into that, that, uh, that heart meditation. Um, 
so I think, so the reason why I ask, you know, if there's anything to do after is because I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody told me that when you meditate and then after, like when you open your eyes, your brain is in a more open state. And so they Mm. say that what you do after is important. And so for example, the reason why this is important is like some people will do meditation and then they'll just like open their phone and go on Instagram and check their social media. And I feel like this is something that I've been probably focusing on for like the last year of like, what am I doing after meditation? Because I feel like my brain is just in a more open state and I feel like Mm. it's more sensitive um, compared to like later parts of the day. Um, and so for me, what I found what works is right after I, I, I finish meditating, um, sometimes I'll include this in the meditation, but usually what I'll just do is I will just like try to Im- like visualize my day and I'll just like try to imagine mm. myself and what I want to happen. And then I'll journal and then I'll like write down any, anything that I want to do, what my thoughts are. Um, and then sometimes I pray and sometimes I do it after that. Um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting for sure. And I, I think it's um, important. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, I guess it depends on the style of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend meditations that really, I guess, at the end have sort of this either setting an intention for your day, maybe a quality that you want to um, have during the day that will help you through the day mm. that you want to cultivate or um, kind of visualizing your day um, rather than there are two ways of doing this. Mm. Some people visualize like, I guess, segments like Vishen Lakhiani also does in his six faces meditation, the mind valley founder. But um, what I found quite useful and it comes also from Harvard is rather than specifying what's going to happen, that you simply imagine yourself at the end of the day feeling absolutely fantastic and amazing. <laughs> and, I love that. Um, and I do something that it's, may, it's maybe more normal for, for American people, but for German people, it's a bit strange to kind of raise your arms and say, yay, fantastic, amazing. <laughs> and I always feel a little bit silly doing this, but I noticed um, there's a lot of people, it creates a lot more um, openness for serendipity if mm. you already anticipate it's going to be amazing. And also for people who experience depression, that can often be a game changer. Equally, I recommend um, combining with your meditation is gratitude, like appreciation mm. of the things that are nice in your life. Mm. And of course, like immediately switching on your phone, it's a little bit like the same, like I guess you brush your teeth and then you have a donut. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. Right? Uh, that's such a beautiful comparison. I love that so much. It's like brushing your teeth and eating a donut. <laughs> and, 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 oh, and then the last thing, you mentioned journaling. That's also... I also find it really helpful for getting into a calmer state of mind. Mm. Maybe it could also be before meditation or instead of meditation. Mm. Because particularly when you write kind of with long hand, you interlink the left and the right hemisphere in your brain. Mm. And also through the physical sensation, um, again, you're getting a bit out of your hand. Head mm. and it can have a calming down effect as well. Mm. Yeah. I... Then there is less noise in the head anyway. Mm. Yeah, no, I absolutely love writing. And yeah, I think it's super important to 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 physically write it out. Don't just type it on your phone. It doesn't do the same thing. Um, Palma, a question I have for you. This is something I hear all the time. Um, I don't necessarily think there's a right answer, but, um, you know, a lot of people will talk about 
sort of like meditation, like capital M meditation of you sitting down, closing your eyes, you know, breathing, meditating. And then there is sort of what other people say is meditation, which is like, for example, um, uh, journaling, praying, going for a walk, doing the dishes, doing laundry. Um, mm. What What are your thoughts on sort of um, uh, on that? I mean, I have my uh, my own opinion on it, but um, mm. what, what do you think is the difference there for someone who's maybe like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily feel called to meditate or I don't want to meditate because I feel like I do these other things in my life that are like meditation, but they've never meditated before. <laughs> Yes. So I guess there are two, two things. The same, first of all, let's say if I speak about mindfulness, there is usually a com component where you have meditations, where you really sit down for mm. a prolonged period of time to retrain your brain. And then there are these activities like washing the dishes, going for a walk, etc. That can be a mindfulness practice, mm -hmm. but only if your awareness is on them. Let's say just washing the dishes mm. and making a to-do list in your, your mind at the same time has nothing to do with meditation. It might help you relax in some way. I right. mean, many people say, oh, yeah, I do my meditation when I have a nice bath right. or I go for a run and something. Right. But unless you're really um, either cultivating open awareness, which is a practice where you simply observe everything that appears in your awareness, kind of thoughts, sounds, bodily sensations, mm. feelings, or concentration that let's say while you're running, you notice your attention goes off and you bring it back to the sensation of running, mm. then this has nothing to do with meditation. Because I would say yeah. meditation really is about calming the mind But the goal behind that is to create insight mm. and insight into, at the end of the day, who you really are and insight into that space that's beyond the noise. And that requires an active curiosity and cultivation. Mm. Um, but um, I've also interviewed um, the adventure Erling Kage, for example, for my podcast, who wrote a book, Stillness in the Age of Noise. Mm. And he spoke about washing the dishes. And of course, when you're washing the dishes, for example, or cleaning shoes, um, or ironing, or going for a run, of course, mm. very often as a byproduct, you will experience more stillness in your mind. Mm -hmm. And so let's say if meditation is not your thing, but you do those things, I would encourage you to still become curious about that stillness. Because most often we only pay attention to, I guess, the noisy parts of our experience, that full motion picture. Mm. But then we miss that there is a stillness behind, but in that, out of that stillness comes wisdom mm. and intuition. But also that's where there's a fountain of well-being already inside you, even if you feel that so much is wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I ask you this question because I think about it all the time. I've heard different opinions. I see a lot of people um, in the comments that are, you know, asking similar questions of they, Maybe they pray, they exercise, but they don't, I don't do meditation. I cannot see myself meditating. Um, and, you know, for me, my personal opinion, my very non-scientific uh, opinion is, um, you know, I think, I think doing all these things of running, washing the dishes for some people, I feel like it, it could make them more present for them. Maybe it's like uh, it makes them more relaxed. Maybe it's something they've done all their lives. 
Um, but f- personally for me, I don't really think that there's a substitute for, for meditation. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's really a substitute for you to close your eyes and disconnect from the external environment. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be calm or whatever, but I think, uh, I think meditation, like in its proper form is, um, is extremely important. I think it's different than, than all the other like things that people call meditating. However, I will say that I remember interviewing, um, this neuro, this neuroscientist, uh, Rick Hansen. And I love Rick Hansen. Yeah, and, and I asked him the same question and he, you know, kind of gave me a similar answer to you, but he also said, you know, the best medicine is whatever people end up doing. Right. Totally. You know, so, so that's like the, the bottom line, but you know, like if you're, if you're being like, if you're sitting here listening and you're like, I, you know, I tried meditation once I can't try it. It's not for me. All I would say is for, to be more curious and, and you never know. And like, for example, I had a, my best friend, you know, I told him to meditate when I first started meditating in like 2016. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he tried to sit down and he, to close his eyes. And then he started like freaking out um, or, or he just like wanted to get up and do something. He's a he's a very high performer. He was like, why am I sitting around doing nothing? I'm wasting time. But then, for example, like uh, beginning of quarantine, he got into meditation because he was like, I really need it. Yeah. And so you never know, you know, in someone's life when they need that thing, but definitely be open to both sides. And even for me, like I have activities that I do that aren't meditation. Like before this, I went for a walk and I was trying to be mindful. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's all about that. And, and yeah, it's super, super important. So thank so thank you for answering that question. And, and, and I, I agree, like ultimately anything that you're curious about and drawn to as an activity, unless it's a self-harming activity, um, right. it, it comes from your inner wisdom and is, is really good. Mm. Um, and, and obviously there's no point when someone says, I really don't want to meditate um to to force them to do it because then their why is not strong enough on the other yeah. hand, let's say your friend that said like i'm wasting my time this is not working that's the inner critic talking <laughs> and if you want that little naysayer to run your life that's a problem yeah i mean it's not a problem when you don't know that there's a different way of living mm-hmm. but it's exactly that kind of commentary that very often keeps you small and that makes you into hustle, hustle, hustle rather than aligning with what is. And if we look at any of the super successful entrepreneurs, they usually, they kind of, they, there's also an element of what, what they call luck. I would rather call serendipity or synchronicity. Mm. Yes, there is um, obviously giving your best, but it's not this diehard kind of, I work myself to death and I can still sleep when I die kind of mentality. Um, and that's a difference. It's more, it's a bit more effortless and more joyful as an mm. experience of life. And I heard another interview with someone today, you know, if you have this idea, you know, I'm becoming an entrepreneur, I create my successful business and then I will be happy. I mean, it, it could happen, and, and, but many people fall into that trap, and I, I did. Myself I included. You know, if I'm climbing the corporate ladder and I'm at the top, then I will have the feeling I have arrived, only you never arrive if you're looking for it externally in that way. But if you're unlucky, you might have a car accident before you get to the goal, so you might as well also enjoy the ride while you're on the ride, and that's 
kind of where these internal practices can help. And, I, and the last thing I would say is like for the majority of people, and you and I discussed this some um, three years ago when you interviewed me, it's a very normal experience to sit down, try to meditate, and the first thing you're confronted with is the noisiness of your own mind. So basically, this is not working. This is, this is really boring. I don't know why I should do this. There's so much else to do. And kind of your monkey mind hopping from tree to tree kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then thinking like, well, that's not for me or I can't do this. And also maybe, maybe there's still the idea that only hippie, strange people <laughs> do this because there was a practice for a long time, right? Yeah. No, for sure. I love everything you said. And um, yeah, you know, I remember when my friend told me that, I was like, dude, that's literally, that literally means you should go meditate. And I know that there's like this, um, this like Buddhist proverb or something. And it says, you know, if you think you can't sit down and meditate for 15 minutes, it means you should sit down and meditate for an hour. Yeah, and, or two and, and, hours, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, you know, that's what I was, what you said about serendipity. That's what I was trying to say before of like, I feel like I think less and I just sort of show up as I am and as I be. And, um, and yeah, you know, ever since I've meditated, what, what I will say too, is like, I feel like for my entire life, I feel like I've always been a pretty like spiritual person, even if I didn't know it myself. But I think one of the things that really unlocked me to that world truly was meditation. And ever since I've been meditating, there are things that I just can't explain. Like there are things that are so synchronistic and serendipitous that like literally happen on like a weekly basis that are just like unexplainable. But, but I remember the perspective that I had in 2016 before I meditated. And I was like, you know, I said exactly what you said. I said, this is, this is just for, for hippies and people that don't want to do anything. Um, I don't want to waste my time. And, um, and, you know, one of the biggest things for me was I had also tried to chase the ladder of trying to find success and I did find success and I did become pretty successful. And it was actually at something that I enjoyed doing, but mm -hmm. I was not happy. And one of the biggest reasons why was because I wasn't present while I was actually doing it. Exactly. And so ever since I've discovered meditation, it, it's really been able like a, it's like a meta skill that will really help you in every area of life. And, you know, um, this, um, this meditation teacher, her name is uh, Emily Fletcher, who mm -hmm. I've had on the show. She has this great quote and she says, the point of meditation is not to just get better at meditation. The point of meditation is to get better at life. And That's I know all like. the people that I know in my life that are truly successful, almost all of them have some sort of a meditation practice. And, mm -hmm. and I'm always experimenting with my meditation practice. I'm always trying to take courses um, like last year I did my first like in-person meditation with like an instructor and I'm always trying to learn because there's always like new forms and, and like that, that training is, is really important. I feel like, um, especially in a day and age where, you know, everyone just like downloads headspace and they just mm. like do it. And then, you know what I mean? And so I feel like a lot of that training is important. Maybe we can, uh, talk about that later, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Palma, the, one of the last questions that I have for you is, um, do you ever sit down and meditate and you're just like, nah, I'm not feeling it. And if that happens, what do you do? Do you do, do you do some kind of mind 
witchcraft or do you make or are there any times where you give into that and you're like i'm not going to meditate right now i'm going to meditate in an hour from now i'm just curious about like what happens in the in the gray you know not the black and white moments i mean i i have to say that same for the last year i have not done religiously an hour every morning like i used to but yeah. also because i take more time like you mentioned today with saying the um, the interview will be at 7 p.m. rather than at 6. And I said, brilliant, then I have my time with the sunset. So I looked mm-hmm. into the sunset for half an hour while dropping into the spaciousness. So that was kind of um, the, I guess, the equivalent of it. But I still meditate every day. Um, and it's, I know for me, it's a trap. Like, so let's say the moment the mind says, yeah, you will do it later. Later is not going to happen. Um, because on top of that, that little voice in the head does not make any decisions. The decisions you make, they're long before made in the silent parts of your brains. And mm. um, for some reason, it's the little voice in your head knows that it's going to be in some ways the end of it. Um, and that's why it wants to um, distract you from getting up. So for me, but it's for me, it's, I guess, generally in life. Um, you know, I was in a relationship for about 10 years. And after that ended, like the voice in my head said, you should have ended that years ago. Now, if I would have gone down that route and engaged with that kind of commentary, that could be a rabbit hole. So if the voice in my hand says any, I guess anything to talk me out of something or get me to um, ruminate about the past. I just cancel it immediately. So there's a little hack where you can say cancel, cancel, but that only works at the very beginning of a thought. If you're already kind of in a roller coaster, cancel, cancel is probably not going to do it. But if you, and that's what meditation also helps you because your mind is generally really quiet, so you can, I guess, see the start of a thought. Mm. And then in the beginning, it has barely any emotional sort of energy behind it. It doesn't mm. have any force, and so you can easily cancel it or withdraw your attention, mm. um, which is much more difficult after you've thought about something already for, right. let's say, 30 minutes or so. So I would say, particularly in the beginning, when... When meditation is not embodied, I would say it's absolutely non-negotiable. It's one of these mm. non-negotiable things yeah. that you do every day and you're not going to get into it if I feel like it or not, because then you will never build a habit if that's yeah. your goal, obviously. Yeah. Um, I lied. W- one last question, if possible. Um, I don't know if you ever – I'm just curious. Sometimes I fall down this, this pattern. Uh, it doesn't happen that often, but it sometimes happens where – I'll, I'll be like meditating every day, week after week after week. Just like, I feel like I'm on top of the world. My business gets like some crazy successes. I feel like I'm amazing, all this stuff. And then next thing I know, I start to think like, oh, I don't need to meditate anymore. I start to think like, oh, you know what? I was meditating for 20 minutes, but hey, let me just hit it down to five minutes because now I'm super mm-hmm. successful. And then what usually happens is I don't meditate for like two or three days. And then I'm like, I forgot the whole reason of why I meditate in the first place. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting. I'm just, you know, calling, calling myself out, but it's, a, it's an interesting pattern. 
I, I think I think it, it, it's not that pattern is re- really common. It's kind of like particularly, let's say, let's say for me, I got not I didn't get into meditation because I wasn't feeling well, but because I was curious. And um, and when I started meditating, I basically immediately um, got to notice that my home was inside of myself in that quiet space, and so I fall back into this quiet space all of the time because that's my default mode but if that's not the case particularly if you start meditating initially in terms of i guess self-healing in some ways or to feel better then it's a very common trap of the mind that the moment you feel better that it tells you well you're feeling great now you don't need it anymore and then what most people kind of tend to notice then after a few days of not meditating that they're all of a sudden not feeling so great anymore Unless the, you know, the, the, the recognition um, of the silent space has become really, really deep. So I'm not saying that you always need to meditate until the end of your, your life if, um, if you are fully embodied, but it can, it's a process, really. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I see people here in the comments that, Great you know, comments. that I, I never... Yeah, never believed in meditation. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Let's try to set this up. That's awesome. Um, Palma, thank you so much for, for coming on here. Um, what, what, is, what is the best place for people to learn more about you, to check out your work? I know you, you're always working on things. You have a book. You have a podcast. Uh, you have courses coming out. What's the best place for people to check that out? Contact you. You're also here on LinkedIn as well. Yes, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and then I have my website, palmamichelle.com, just the name. And there's also a link to the podcast. So if people wanted to check out the podcast, that would be great. And I also launched some courses just recently about how to manage your mind, how to manage your emotions and your nervous system with the Expert Academy as well. That's awesome. Them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Palma, I genuinely had an amazing time. Um, Likewise. We did it. We did an even better job or, or, or an even great job, same as last time. And it's, it's good to have this conversation and, and pick up where we left off like three years ago. And uh, you're always welcome back on. And, and I appreciate you. And I highly recommend people to um, connect with you on LinkedIn, to read your book, check out your podcast. I was a guest on your podcast, The Explorer's Mind. And yeah, just, you know, contact you if they need help with, with leadership or mindfulness. Palma is one of the best people for this. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone thank out there. You. For, yeah. I, I appreciated everyone who is listening and also your questions and comments as far as I've seen them. And um, I'm really approachable. So if you have any questions on LinkedIn or via Twitter, I, I always really respond. Palma's the best. And thank you guys for all listening, watching, wherever you are. Hey, you made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, Mark Metry. And I just want to take a moment here and sincerely acknowledging you for taking the time out of your own day, your own life to invest it into listening to this podcast, to gain something valuable and implement into your life to make it 
better. This is what is all about. Now, if you actually gain value from this episode and you want to give me value somehow, I would unbelievably appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, if you have an Apple product where you listen to podcasts, and please leave this show a review. You are free to send me a message, email, contact information is in the description below. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get this grassroots movement going.